Episode 45 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. An interview with me. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 45 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Wow, it's been it's been a big month for me. Uh, if you listened to last month's show, you'll know that last month uh, my book got released pretty much five weeks ago and it's been kind of full on from that moment forward. Uh, did a lot of PR work around my book and it's uh, been pretty successful. I think I got to the top 10 on Amazon in the Kindle books in health and fitness, which I was pretty proud of. Um, yeah, it's done really well here in New Zealand. Uh, the actual hard copy's been selling like hotcakes, which is really good. And probably most importantly is um, I've been getting some really cool feedback on it. And it's been really interesting. You know, people are always going to be pretty generous to your face. Uh, you know, when they, when you know, if you know someone and they've written a book, you're never going to say the bad things. But I've just had some people come up to me and just say some really genuinely positive feedback. And uh, I don't know, it's been... Yeah, it's been really cool, and yeah, so obviously a lot of people enjoy my book, so this month's been very much about my book, and uh, then my partner Joe and I, we head off to Hawaii for three weeks, and we just got back in yesterday, so this month's show is going to be a little bit different, because I'm kind of cheating this month, because as a part of me doing my book, I did a a few interviews, Um, I've done some TV interviews and some radio interviews, and I thought this month what I would do is I would put one of the interviews that I did on Radio New Zealand, which is New Zealand's kind of... NPR, public radio, kind of radio station in New Zealand, Radio New Zealand, and I did an interview um, a few weeks ago, and uh, it was a good interview actually, because the interviewer, she challenged me, Catherine Ryan was her name, I think it was, and uh, she really challenged me, she kind of pushed me to the limits, and kind of really tried to challenge me in ways that was, um, I really enjoyed, to be honest, because I think it really helped me, you know, kind of showed that I knew what I was on about, but also showed what I, I, fundamentally what I was about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this on as this month's show. Now I have got next month's show planned. I was going to do it this month, but I'm just a bit busy right now and I thought to myself, I can rush and get this month's show done or I can do it better next month. And and the show I'm going to do next month is one... um, uh, it's, it's, well I think it's a really important show and it's one of those I think it's going to be one of those really good shows that gets into a deep subject and hopefully it'll give some good insight but I just coming back from holiday and being where I was with time right now it just wasn't going to fit in so um, yeah so anyway um, if you haven't already got my book you can go to bevanjamesisles.com to get it from there uh, that's either the Kindle version or if you're in New Zealand you get it shipped to you for free within New Zealand I'm going to get straight into it, guys. So this is with my interview with Catherine Ryan, and she's from Radio New Zealand, and uh, it's about half an hour long. And yeah, have a listen. It's uh, I kind of enjoyed the interview. Anyway, here we go. Here's, here's the interview.
Bevan Isles has worked in the fitness industry for 15 years. He's been a competitive Ironman triathlete, runs marathons and has presented at international fitness conferences and coaches runners of all levels. Along the way, he says he's discovered that health and fitness isn't about a certain exercise or about being on the latest diet or buying equipment that promises fantastic results. Still got my Zumba tapes. <laughs> exactly. Under the sofa. I don't think they even made it into the Not machine. The player, yeah. What's all that about? Uh, Sold the dream. I nearly bought. I nearly bought a Pilates thingy, watching infomercials a while back, and then thought, I've actually got nowhere to put it, so that mm. didn't happen. Anywho, we all know those stories, don't we? Um, Bevan's concluded it's all about a person's behaviour and figuring out what works for them. He's written a book called The Fitness Attitude, about learning to love keeping fit. Bevan Isles is in the Auckland studio. How are you? I'm really good. Yourself? Great. Everyone wants to do it. Yeah. Everyone vows to do it. Everyone knows it's good for them. Everyone knows it makes them feel good. What's the difference between the people who do it and keep it up and the people who do it and then stop and then start or who just talk about it and never do it? What's the difference? I, I really do believe it's a lot about the mind strategies we use. You know, like for someone like myself who has exercised, you know, it's, you know, kind of extremely for such a long period of time, you know, I, I kind of know I'm going to exercise forever. And it's not because I just like, I understand the value of it. It's also because I've kind of learned the tricks of the trade. And the tricks of the trade are more about you know, the mind strategies that I've kind of developed in myself to do that. And for those who are listening to this who are exercisers, they, they know they can exercise forever. They have that thing in them. And that's always been my question is, well, what is it that people who do love exercise and what are those strategies? And then how can we teach those everyday people? How can we get it into everybody else? Because that's the problem, isn't it? If you yeah. don't feel... Well, you know what the really unfortunate thing is? That most people, exercise makes them feel bad about themselves. You know what I mean? And, 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 and it can often be in a really damaging way. You know, like, like a lot of people, there's a lot of self-loathing because they're bad at exercise or, or their image. And, all, you know, there's cheapers. I get to deal with some people who are totally new exercisers and... It's it's really sad the way they perceive themselves because they can't exercise. You don't look right. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. And then when they do it, they fail. So you know, like the thing I often say is, it's one thing to try something, but if you've tried something and failed ten times, it's really hard to try again. And it's not that people haven't tried exercise; well, they all have. You know, and they've all had intentions, but often they've tried and they've failed. So then the next time, it's harder to go back. What about the rest of us though, who want to do it, enjoy doing it, can do it, but we just Keep it up for a while and then life overruns. This is what you're talking about. You're not talking about having a program. You're talking mm. about having something that is simply an intrinsic way of life. Yeah. Why do so many people not get that to the extent perhaps that they might like to? Is that, well, there's kind of lots of answers to that question. I think one that's really interesting around that is that it seems to be in modern times that the busier you get, the more we drop the things that are important to us. So we all do it. You know, suddenly life gets busy. And what do you do? You drop your healthy behaviours. So people, you know, if we even want to just look outside of exercise, let's say suddenly you've got a, you know, a week where you have to do 10 hours more work. Or what do you do? You sleep less. You tend to eat poorly because you're not going to plan well. You drop your exercise. You drop all of the things that you just do. Just describe my election campaign. <laughs> exactly. Just so like let's that. Let's go for a walk. Just completely like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's an example, isn't it? And so, so, so what happens is you know, we're all very stressed. Like I often you know, do talks, so put your hands up if you're stressed. And everyone's stressed and everyone's busy. And... Unfortunately, in doing that, we, we drop the thing that's actually great for us. Yeah, but because what we're trying to do is save time, and so save time is an interesting word, isn't mm, it? Mm. 
if you're in that situation, stressful work situation, long hours, whatever, whatever, you know you've got to deliver whatever your yeah. obligation is. Kids, you've got to get kids to where they're going. You've yeah. got to you've got to let the whatever's happening in the house. I've got to get that sorted in. So if you're going to adapt to the extra demands, does that mean stuff that we don't like? Like you're getting up earlier then to fit your exercise in. I think and is that where most of us fall down? I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case because, like, let's say you're not a morning person, you're never going to get up to exercise in the morning. You know, like it'd be, it's a wise planning. It's unwise planning. I read your book. You were running around in the middle of the night, yeah. and the only other people out there were the dogs. And you said, "Now I know what the dogs do in the night. They go and hang out all by themselves." I'm a nutbar. I'm right? a nutbar, okay. but... Most of us aren't going to do that. No, and so that's the thing is, I think that what we've got, like, the problem is that people have these expectations around what they should do. So if I can't do half an hour, I'm, I'm, what's the point of doing anything? And um, if we go back to that point of you know looking after yourself, I think you've got to go, at certain times in my life, I have to drop expectations around what I can fit in. And then at those times, what's, a, what's just something that I can do? Something else. Last night, I could have got on a treadmill and walked on the treadmill and watched the tally yep. instead of doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm in Auckland at the moment, so yep. I crashed at my hotel. Yep. Lying back, very glad to be lying back, watching the leaders debate on the tally. Yep. Instead of being on the treadmill. Yeah. Now, what's the difference between the person who gets their butt up and goes and watches the leaders debate on the treadmill and the person who, who lies there having a hiney and watching it on the telly? What's the difference? Well, I think they've learnt the value of it. You know, I, I think that ultimately when, when someone, well, it's hard, you know, I, I can't judge you based on what you did last night, but, but I'm sure you're very tired. And so it's really, in my book, I talk about the mind muscle, you know, that mind, your mind is like a muscle. And so if I go to the gym and I do bicep curls, my bicep can only handle so many bicep curls and it's just got to stop. And when we think about the stress of life, you're obviously under the pump for the work you're doing right now. So if you're under the pump, your mind muscle, when you sit, get to home at night, there's no way you can do exercise because it's a hard thing to you do. You know what? I could have. And I really, you really? You know, I could have. And, and this is, this is where you say, it's about the mind. We used to use the phrase exercise habit, and of course we all hate habits because it suggests doing something we don't want to do. Mm. What is the mindset of the person who would want to get to make that extra effort, would want to get on the treadmill, would want to make it do it, in fact would enjoy doing that versus someone taking the easy out or the person who gets up half an hour early because they damn well are going to fit the walk-in. And, and how do you switch your mind? You've got it in here, actually. The alarm goes off, and my first thought is, I can't do it, I'm tired. This is your book. Mm. So what's the difference between the person who wakes up and says, get your A out of bed and go and do it, and the person who rolls over and says, great, another half hour's sleep? And how do you change from being one to being the other? Well, again, I kind of think you think it's the person who, who does that has understand the value of going to that place often. So they've done it so much. Value that, is a word you keep using. Yeah, well, because like for me, I understand the value of having exercise in my life. You know, I've done it for so long, and I know that once I start to slip away from that, I feel I'm losing something that's really important to me. So I've prioritised it long enough, and I understand the value of it. Whereas for the person who hasn't ha had that experience, you know, well, what are they going to gain from it? And often, if you've never exercised, it's not a nice experience. You know what I mean? Like, it's often hard work, you know, if you haven't done it in a long time. So... It's, you know, it's, it's, it, the appeal's not as, as appealing what's as the, the person hasn't done it. What's the typical graph you would draw if someone is beginning to build exercise into their life or, 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 their, or a more substantive amount of exercise into their life? What's the typical graph you would draw? They start off all enthusiastic, they go and buy all the gear, they get the flash new shoes, all this kind of thing, they sign up the gym membership, and God knows I've kept those gyms alive without darkening <laughs> the door people. for many a year, right? Yeah. So, What's the trajectory? You start off all enthusiastic, this is fantastic, and then what happens? What are the crucial points that happen that make you give up or pull back 
and what do you have to do to push through that and make it something that is valued and something that is automatic? So I've got this business called um, Extra Mile Runners, and within it we've got products for different levels of ability. So we've got this product called Get Up to Five. And this Get Up to Five is designed for people who have an exercise. And we've, we've taken over a 1,000 people from doing nothing to do a 5K run in eight weeks, go on to half marathons. And these are, these are like people in their 60s, you know, all ranges of people, big overweight people, all that kind of stuff. Now, what, we, what we've done in doing the creating a product that helps people who love exercise is we've made them successful along the way. And one of the biggest problems that people have when they first start exercising is they just plan really poorly. And so they have this expectation around exercise about what they should do. And when they go out and plan their first period, they set themselves up to fail from day one. You see it when you personal train. Like, I don't personal train nowadays, but back in the day I didn't. You get a new client... And I come in and you go, okay, well, you know, I really want to get fit. Okay, well, what can you do? Well, I can get five hours in a week and I can do this, this, and that. And, and you know they're going to fail from day one. And realistically, if you could be a lot more realistic around your planning and how to fit things. So if I go back to your situation yesterday, if you looked at before the day and go, okay, tomorrow's a massive day on. I know, you know, big politicians and all this kind of stuff. But exercise is really important to me. How would I make it fit? So don't make that decision at the end of the yeah, day. because your mental muscle's tired. Do it at the start of the day. Or, or and, even and, just, and, and just put in... Put in the plan in the brain, go back to hotel, get on treadmill, watch debate. Well, maybe even if we take a step back further, if you'd gone, exercise is really important to me today, and I want to get, I know I can't do much because I'm going to be really busy, so I'm going to lower my expectations, I'm going to get a 15 minute walk, when can I make the work? You know what? At lunchtime, get out of the office. You are talking about taking control of the voices in your head, and the voices Mm. in your head do exactly what, because we all know this voice when the alarm goes off, I can't do it, I'm tired. Mm. Need to Mm. sleep, too much on, da da da, didn't sleep well last night, kids got up, on on, and on it goes. You're talking about taking control of the voice in the head and what having a strategy that anticipates yeah. and conquers yeah. those moments. And, and that's the thing is that, like, if you, like, uh, uh, people try to, like, if you're not a morning person, you're never going to exercise in the morning. Mm. It'd be an unwise strategy. So, whereas if you know that at lunchtime you just sit at your office watching, you know, going on the internet, whereas if you go for, like, uh, interesting, I've got a, <clears throat> a guy I could do a bit of mentoring with, and he's this high end guy who wants to be a CEO. So he's very ambitious, works, you know, 80 hours a week. High stress, never lets work go, and uh, and we're going. Well, how can we get some some mental relief for you? And just uh, yeah, and and we've got him going out of his office at work and just going for a bit of a walk. And seriously, he came back to me and said, "I've been so much more productive in my afternoon." Is that a key? People start off. People have never walked much. Say, start off thinking, "I'm going to do my half marathon." I mean, I see them when I because I do actually exercise. I shouldn't make it all sound bad. I, I, <laughs> just last night. Uh, yeah, no, no, not just last night. I, uh, I get frustrated with not being able to get the consistency I'd like. Mm. Um, but I do exercise a lot, and I'm out, outdoors walking a lot. Yeah. And, and I see these people, and you can see them, physically see. They're putting themselves through a program. They're aiming for something, and that's fantastic. But, God, they're working hard. And it's like they've gone straight in to do the half marathon. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, you're looking at the build, and you're thinking, that's got to be really hard work. Have they gone through walking? Have they have they progressed up to something that's going to be sustainable? And is that often a mistake that people make? They set themselves this big goal. They may go and achieve it. Mm. The question is, is that realistic? Well, the for thing where is, is are you are you creating a sustainable um, mm-hmm. behaviour? And so, like, if we look at what we do with our running business, we've got a five k. We've got a walking group. We've got a five k group. We've got a ten k group. We've got a half marathon. So group. don't start with a half marathon. Well, if you're totally new exercise, I wouldn't advise that. Oh. Whereas if you're a fit person, you may want to look at that. It oh, depends yeah. on your ability. But what we do is we go. Well, let's create entry points. So depending on what your ability is, what's the entry point? And then when we look at your current entry point, how can we stretch you in a way that's enough of a reward but it's not going to push you away from movement? Because what we are looking for is we want to create – 
Like my ultimate job is to create someone who's going to love exercise for a long time. Now, if you come and you sign up to do a half marathon and you work half for 12 weeks and then never do anything again, well, I haven't done my you job. You use important words, words like reward and words like love. We often think, like even with what I was saying to you earlier, thinking about the strategy when the voice in the head says, mm. have another half hour in bed, it's going to be so nice compared mm. to getting up in the cold and doing mm. this. That's kind of the negative approach, like going to war with the head. Yeah. You're talking about getting to a point where it is reward to get out there. And again, if we come back to that trajectory when someone is either starting to exercise for the first time or is trying to increase the amount that they're doing or the intensity of what they're doing, is mm. that part of the trajectory as well? Is there a point where you get to where it actually feels worse not to go and do it yeah. than to... Yeah. Have the time off instead. And, 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 and when does that hit? How does that hit? Well, I don't know if you can identify not, when not for everybody. Not days but or weeks, but at what stage of a program? I, 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 it's really hard to kind of give an answer specifically on that. But I think ultimately what we can say is that one, there is a certain point. And it depends on the movement, depends on the environment. There's so many influences, kind of factors that can influence that. But ultimately... You know, look, you see with my runners, people join up just because they want to make change, but they don't think they're going to love running. They just want to make, you know, they often want to lose weight or they want to feel they need to get fitter. And they just see that we've helped a lot of people, so they've come to us. Now, at first, they, they don't think they're going to like running. And then about kind of, with the, by the end of the eight-week program, they're going, I can't believe I love running. So something happens, and it's different for different people. I want to talk to them a year or two later. No, no, that's the thing. Is yeah. In our world, that's what I love about what we do, is that we've got, we've got people who've been stable for five, six years. Most of our people stay with us because we've created, like with environments, I talk about environments yeah. in the book, we've, we've created this environment where people can be successful. 29 minutes away from 11, what are some of those factors that aid success? There's, there's several in here. Environments is one of them, and, wh and what are you saying by that? Being somewhere that is nice to be, being somewhere that it feels good to be, what? Well, when you think about what I'm trying to achieve, often when you think about, you know, I need to show willpower to achieve big things. So it's all about my character needs to, you know, overcome this, this hurdle that I'm trying to achieve. Now, that, that, there's definitely some truth to that, but often I'm a reflection of the environment I'm in. So, for example, when I was a druggie, I was a reflection of my drugs, you know, the guys I hung out with. And when I gave up drugs, I had to remove myself from them. So overnight, I went up hanging out with these guys who were always got stoned. They were good guys, but, you know, we, I couldn't be in that environment. And overnight, I went from hanging out with these druggy guys to joining a gym where it was ambitious people who were trying to get fit. It wasn't hard for me to give up drugs because my environment had shifted. It was actually really interesting. After Vietnam War, it's really interesting research around this stuff. The American Army were really first worried about all the druggies coming back into society because in the Vietnam War, all these you know, they were in heroin, all the soldiers were doing these very hard drugs within the culture they were doing in the war. And the, the American army were really concerned about these people going back into society because they had huge problems, which could be problems for society. Well, when they went back to the everyday environments, most of them didn't actually become druggies because they changed their environments. And so when we're thinking about success, one thing is not, not my willpower is where are environments that help me be successful? Do we need to harness that? Because the if you go into an environment where you are expecting that this is going to be where I exercise or where I do this and I'm going to enjoy it or these are the people I'm going, I'm going to be around, do you need to harness that? Because the body and the mind just automatically respond. Okay, I'm at the swimming pool. I'm going to put my toes on and go for a swim, right? So you need to harness the environment almost as a trigger for this to become automatic and no big deal. Well, I think you want to be wise about it. I think what you want to do is, you, like, say I'm trying to achieve something. Like, for example, I play, I play music, I play piano, and I'm, I'm in a band. And uh, for me, I've got to put myself around people who are better than me. You know, so, And I want to put around people, but not just who are better than me, but also want to support my growth. So when you think about how I want to grow, what you want to think about is, what are the environments that would help me achieve my goal as best as possible? And then... 
do some research on the environment. And like, if you could join my running group, I can guarantee you're going to go and come to, a, not just advertising here, but like, we've created an environment that helps people be successful. And by doing that, they become successful. Groups <clears throat> committing to even one other person to turning up in a time and place, very powerful in over, overcoming some of the yeah, resistance as well. Yeah. What are some of the other, well, you talk about moments of motivation. And again, this is coming at it from the other way. Instead of coming at it from a discipline willpower way, yeah. which always fails when we're tired or run yeah, down, it's yeah. guaranteed to fail. Mm. The motiv- planning. The motivation route is, is, and is it seizing on moments of motivation when they present? What, what are you talking about here? So one thing I discovered as a fitness instructor is that most of us, when we first start out, are actually in a good place. So if we look at, you know, like if we look at when people go for exercise, at first, you know, you're probably pretty fine, but then there's a moment where it gets tough. And so as a fitness instructor, I stand in front of, you know, hundreds of people at times. And what I'm looking for is when is that moment when you start to struggle? And so for most of the workout when I'm teaching a class, most of the class is pretty comfortable with what they're doing. But then there comes this moment when they, when they need me. And if you watch a new fitness instructor, often they motivate all the time and they're actually not that effective. Whereas if you watch a, a kind of someone who's been around a bit while longer and have got a bit of wisdom around what they're doing, is they're actually searching for your moment when they need you. And then when they have that moment, they pull you through and take you to another level. And so if we think about our moments of motivation in life is, you know, for for you last night, the moment of motivation was maybe when you walked into the into the room and you had a few options. Now, maybe that you know if you'd had a strategy around motivation mm-hmm. at that moment, you the might have. The gear was sitting there. The gear was sitting there saying hello. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have thought, okay, my moment of motivation today is going to be when I walk in the door at my hotel mm. room. Okay, so how can I, maybe I'll text someone to meet me to go for a walk at that time. So you're actually, you're not waiting for inspirations of motivation. You're pre-planning. You are pre-planning yeah. them and making sure the signal, the trigger is there. Yeah, and, w- and what we want to do with our moments of motivation is we want to get really good at identifying when they are. So even for the person who's never exercised, the moment of motivation is probably getting out the door. So what are strategies that are going to get you out the door? Another one is very important also is finding your focus. And again, instead of just saying, I want to get fit or I want to lose weight, Oh shit! You know, sort of might be in targets, but are absolutely pointless in trying to make anything stick. Mm. What is the focus? What, what is it? Working out exactly what this is about and exactly what it's going to be, what, or, or what it is that will get you moving again, other than some vague end goal. What are the what are oh, the I focus? Think what, I'm, what I'm talking about there is that often we, we our focus goes on to the wrong thing. So, you know, like a lot of people... We you, you're big on this. You're not impressed with the fitness industry's obsession with abs and whether you've added oh, an extra it's, it's, one and a half Ks to your bench press. It's you, pushing you people away. It's, it's, it's pushing people away from exercise. Like, it's, it's hurting people because... They, you know, not many people don't get six pack abs. You know, like even even people who exercise, like I work at a gym. Not many people, you know, these people who exercise. Not many have six pack abs. Like it's 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 a, such the wrong message to be selling. What we should be selling is that exercise is a really powerful thing for your life. That gives you esteem. That makes you feel healthy. That gives you experiences with friends. You know, like we look at society right now. How do we socialize? Drinking and alcohol. I mean, alcohol and food. You know, that's how we socialize. Well, with my running group, you know. We have these people who make lifetime friends through doing these shared experiences that are empowering. And that's what exercise can provide. And for me, that's what we should be selling, is that you, you, exercise can provide you so much to your life that is so powerful and, and so rewarding and just so healthy. It's so many levels. Six-pack abs is just such a... So how do you find that focus? How do you sit down and sort out a focus that is going to work for you and that is better than I'm going to bench press X, Y, Z or my waist measurements are coming down to this? How does someone who wants to start something that sticks or elevate something that sticks find their focus? I, th- I think at first what you want to do is you want to, um, 
you've, you've got to find a way to get into it. And that's where I go back to the entry points kind of idea is, you know, where, how do I just get the habit started? And, and at first, if like, if it's kind of in that chapter there where I'm talking about the focuses, often what happens with, um, your mind is your mind will justify the thing you're focusing on. So for example, if you come and do a run and you think you're bad at running, the whole time you're going to be running, your mind is justifying why you're a bad runner. So, you know, like, oh my God, I'm never going to be fit. Oh, this is so hard. And so your mind would justify all the reasons, it's focusing on all the wrong things. So what we want to be able to do is to learn, when am I focusing on the wrong things? Because if I'm focusing on the wrong things, that's going to pull me away from yeah, exercise. i tell you, the reason it's doing that is it's always looking for an excuse to stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but see, if, if, if I were to go to you at that moment and I mm. come in and go, okay, well, let's not, let's change that focus. Mm. Let's say, if I were to get through to the end of this run, how would I do it in a way that made me feel good? Now, your mind comes up with different answers to that mm -hmm. question. And as an athlete, when I was racing, I was, the question I always had in my mind was, what's the best decision I can make right now to give me the greatest outcome? So it's not about how, you know, it's not, oh, my legs feel tired. Because I think my legs feel tired. My mind will go, yeah, you stayed up late last night. You trained too hard this week. If I say, how can I get to the end of this race the fastest way possible? My mind shifts to the, the behaviors that I can do right now. They have an influence on the outcomes I desire. Good tip there. Always, when you're running, always have a target of where you're going, not how long you're running. Yeah. Because I can, uh, I can uh, guarantee you to, to get to a distance and back. Well, I think one thing that we want to It's a damn sight easy and say, how long am I going to run? Yeah. And then it goes, nah, just go back, just stop. You don't feel good, whatever. But if you're working towards a distance target, you know the quickest way to get there and back is to keep running. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, is that what we want to do is we want to, like, if you can, this focus thing is, is how do I control what I can do right now to give me the exactly. best outcome? Yeah. What did start you? You mentioned your drug habit. 19, I think you said, 19, we wouldn't have known you. Yeah. What was, was, what was life like? I was, I was kind of, you know, the total definition of, the failure word, like I um, like I had no school qualifications, and and I had no chance of getting school qualifications. I couldn't read and write, and um, and I was very went down a very destructive path. Like I, and the kind of personality I am is a hundred and ten percent person. So I was the guy who was getting as messy as I could when I was doing drugs and alcohol. When I was the guy who was six o'clock at night was you know blottoed, and and I was always trying to push myself to the next level. And I lost morals and ethics. I started stuttering because I had no confidence. It was. <clears throat> I, I, like I seriously had nothing going for me. How quickly did you turn it around? I, uh, I had a really bad LSD. Um, I had this experience where, um, you know, LSD is a drug which enhances your senses, and um, and if it's in a bad place, it's a very dangerous place. And I was in a very scary place one night, and I uh, had these hallucinations. I was hallucinating in ways that were quite scary, and. Uh, in that moment, I kind of had this epiphany about who I was. I kind of really saw myself for what I was, and. Um, and literally, a week later, I gave up drugs and alcohol and started developing myself. And it was exercise that was the path. Yeah, and that was the thing, is that, that exercise was this thing that came into my life at that moment. And the thing I'm always fascinated in is what creates a great person. You know, because we get people who are great at one thing, but then they're really poor at everything else. You know what I mean? And, and, and you'll see it with sports stars. You see the sports stars who had this amazing career. And then once their sport career finishes, it's like their life crumbles. They're ultimately just great at one thing. And then you'll see someone like, I imagine Richie McCall's going to be like this. He'll leave rugby and he'll go on to be a successful man. You know, Wilson Renneray, Peter Snell, these guys who were amazing athletes who then went on 
and had amazing careers and lives. And and for me, I think ultimately what we we'll do is how do I become a successful person? And exercise was this thing in my life that came in at a moment where I really needed some development, and it showed me a way to be a greater person. And then from that, I thought, well, if I did this with exercise, why can't I do this with business? Why can't I do this? Like I couldn't spell. I've written a book. Like why can't I do that with writing? Why can't I do this? And so I always think exercise is such a great thing in our lives to give us transferable life skills. If you look at it differently, instead of I want to do X, Y, Z running or I want to lose X, Y, Z Ks, mm. it can be an entirely different beast in your life. Oh, it's such a great thing. Thank you. Uh, Bevan James Isles, The Fitness Attitude is his book. Thanks very much for coming in. Hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, that that interview. Hopefully, uh, hopefully she showed... What I was about, you, you know, I think obviously you guys have listened to the show for, well, a lot of you guys have listened to the show for many years, so you kind of knew what I was about anyway, but it's kind of good to get someone else to throw questions at me and, uh, you know, to kind of get a deeper understanding of what I'm about and where I'm coming from. Again, you want to get my book, um, and obviously a lot of you guys did do get it because it helped uh, get it, get up the rankings on Amazon, which is really good, but if you haven't already got it and you want to support me in what I'm doing, go to bevanjamesisles.com. I'm just going to answer one question I've got here this week. I got a question the other day, and um, it was quite a big question, and so I thought instead of me um, uh, writing a big response, <laughs> I get a lot of emails, and when you get big emails, sometimes it's easier just to kind of answer it on the podcast. So I went back to this person and asked if I could answer it on the podcast, and they said yes, I can, so I'm going to pull up the email right now and then I'm going to read it out to you and give my thoughts on the question in mind. So I've got the email in front of me right here and this person asked not to be uh, named, which is fair enough. Uh, the, you know, you guys can be quite revealing in your emails to me and I totally understand that you'd want to be, you know, kept anonymous. So uh, the basic gist of the email is, is this person came from a pretty talented background as an athlete when they were younger. They were quite a good runner, uh, achieving a pretty high level. Uh, although they do say within this, they were someone who were a bit more of a natural and they, they considered themselves not the most disciplined athlete, uh, whereas you know they probably could have been more successful if they were a bit disciplined. But over the years, they've kind of put on some weight and struggled a lot with their weight and their frustration is not so much around the knowledge of nutrition and exercise because they know that world quite well and if anything it's probably more frustrating for them because they know you know they know what they should do and it's it's not that they're not intelligent enough to understand the concepts they're just not they're not doing it and they're saying that they're I'm not quite sure exactly how overweight they are, but I think maybe they're saying generally around 40 kg overweight. Um, you know, maybe when they're younger, they're at 65 when they're running, and somewhere around about 105 kg now. And the, the, one of the sentences that they say is, "In the meantime, I'm getting older and increasingly aware of my laziness and indulgence to the devil on my shoulder is going to impact on my well-being in the long term." Uh, yeah, I suppose the question is in this situation is. What do you do when you know what you could should do, but you're not doing it? And it's a, it's a really interesting question, isn't it, when you think about it? Because there is definitely an aspect of society. Like it's it's one thing, like one thing I often say to to people is that we often know what we should do, but there's actually a, a, a level of society who don't. I I know a nurse, a lady called Annie, and she's just one of the runners in my group, and she's just this really cool 
outgoing, quite fun lady. And uh, she works as a nurse in a very low decile or very poor part of Christchurch, pretty much the poorest part of Christchurch. And um, she talks about some of the health problems for the kids in that area. And uh, these kids are sent to school with no lunch or a bag of chips. And, And so there is definitely an aspect of society which don't know the fundamentals of healthy nutrition in everyday life and that's probably brought up from bad parenting or or lack of knowledge from the parents uh, or bad habits that have been passed on or or maybe even just struggling lives where the bad food is the cheapest option who knows I can't really judge but there is definitely an aspect of society where people don't know and a big part of helping those people is through the education of of how to help them to make healthier choices but in this situation it's a completely different situation and I probably say for the majority of people they probably sit in this place where they know what they should do but they're just not doing it and if anything because they're not doing it they seem to be in a place where um, it, the, the negative place that they're in reinforces the negativity they have around themselves which which tends to take us to our our places we don't like in ourselves and there's so many answers I could give to this question of what do you do um, when you know what you should do but you're not doing it and and I suppose the answer I will give is this is often what we do in these times of changes is we put out all our cards in one basket and we think you know I've got to do you know this thing to change and if that basket doesn't go in one direction we are suddenly failing and I think like I often think of smokers and I've probably talked about this in the podcast before but smoking is is ultimately the ultimate test of behavior change because we know that the cards are stacked against you when it comes to changing the habit of the addiction of smoking and it's a big problem for those who who smoke and how do they overcome smoking. And a lot of people have, like they might have the one-tier approach, which is cold turkey or, or um, you know, they might get some Nicorette, some chewing gum. To me, if I was a smoker and I determined that I really wanted to give up smoking, that I, this, this was the moment, I've done it for 20 years and I know that ultimately smoking is not good for me, I would be looking for a multi-tier approach for making me successful in this area. And when I look at those multi-tier approach, I'm thinking of all the different aspects that it can take for me to be successful or that are a part of my habit of being a smoker. So if I were to think of a smoker, oh, there's the nicotine addiction. So there's there's the addiction of the smoke. Um, so how do you overcome? What's the tier approach? Now, you could go for the gum as a nicotine replacement or if you want to get nicotine totally out of your body, how would you do that? Other things that we need to consider is that a lot of smoking is around the habit. So, you know, like what a lot of people do is they have these habits in their days around smoking. So if I know that I get home from work and the first thing I do is go outside and sit down and have a smoke, well, what I need to be thinking about as I try to change this habit of smoking is putting in a new habit at that time of day. So as I think about my multi-tier approach to giving up smoking, I would think of all the moments in my day where I traditionally have a smoke, and then I would think about what habits can I put in place at those times that don't involve smoking. Another area to think about for smoking is the emotional way we people use smoking. If you speak to any person who smoked for a period of time, if they often when they give up, 
the moment they the reason they get back into smoking is because they experience a huge amount of stress in their life and smoking is a great way for them to feel calm so when we're thinking about that is what emotion do i get from smoking and then what are, what are healthier ways that i can deal with those emotions without using smoking as an option to overcome the emotions that i'm experiencing so you can see what I'm doing here is I'm looking at all the different aspects it takes for me to, to get smoking, uh, to give up smoking. Another thing you may consider as well is, okay, well, how do I reward myself and how do I measure my success? Like nowadays, I, I saw a post on the internet today, the other day, uh, they've got those great apps now where you can look at, you can put in the time of day you gave up smoking or the date, the date you gave up smoking how many smokes you were having a day and how much you were spending. And what these applications do is they they basically accumulate how much you're saving and how much you're not smoking the longer you go on. And this person, I think, had not smoked for three years and had saved themselves thousands of dollars and you know hadn't smoked thousands of cigarettes and, and so on. But it's another a tier approach that you would look at doing and making yourself successful, that, that, that measure of success, that momentum, that snowball effect of you feeling you are being successful. Now, if you're giving up smoking and you tried one of those approaches, it, it, it could work. But if we're thinking of percentage chances of, of you giving up smoking, well, to me, if you had a multi-tier approach where you, you know, did those approaches that I've just addressed there, and even more that you can consider, you know, all the things you get from smoking, even the people I hang around who smoke, you know, what do I do when I drink if I know that's when I'm going to smoke? All these types of multi-tier approach to me overcoming this problem and then developing a plan that is adjustable along the way. And I think that's probably another important thing to think about is that people develop these plans and they have one bad day. So let's say I've going back to the smoking analogy. Let's say that you've given up smoking and you've gone three weeks without smoking. You've done really well. And then you have a big night on, on the terps, which traditionally means you have a smoke. And, and you know, you, you try not to have smoke, but you end up having a smoke that night. Now, what a lot of people do in that situation is they just go back to day one and they go back to smoking. So when you think about your plan and this multi-tiered strategy is how do you accommodate for those times when you are going to have slips so that you can be successful. Now taking this back to the person who, who's overweight, who's um, who, you know, frustrated and, and doesn't like where they are and actually knows what they need to do, I, I think ultimately what you need to do is you need to look at a deeper level of what is the reason that's holding you back from doing the behaviours you know you can do? Like what are those barriers? Why is it you have those moments where you eat too much? Why is it that you, you, you know, when you get emotional you think chocolate? Why is it all of these, you know, all these types of things? And try to gain a really deep understanding and real deep, you know, like be honest to yourself around what you're going through at those times. The great thing about honesty, I was thinking about this today. Um, we live in a we live in a world right now which data is becoming a very powerful thing, and and you get these guys. I think this guy called Nate Silverman, I can't remember what his name is, and uh, he's he's quite a renowned data guy, and he he predicted the last U.S. election pretty pretty close to what actually happened based on just looking at data and um and I, my running business I do marketing and and I was thinking about how do I improve as a marketer and one thing I've discovered is that my data 
um, consumption, you know, what I'm getting back from what I'm using for marketing. I'm, I'm not spending enough time trying to gain understanding of what is really happening with my marketing dollar. Now, the greater understanding I have of what's happening with my marketing dollar, the greater understanding of where I can put my marketing dollar to have a more effective outcome for my business is something I'm trying to learn and, and spend time within my business. And I kind of think about that when you're looking at your own self-assessment is get raw, get honest and be as really honest as you can around what's causing those moments where you need to change and when are those moments where you need to change. Now once you've started to establish what those moments are, then what you can do is you can start to really figure out what are the causes that makes those moments a struggle. So it might be I'm an emotional eater. It might be I've just created some really bad habits at certain times in my day. That's what you will need to figure out. And then from there, look to that multi-tier approach. If I'm not, I'm just going to hit this with, you know, a punch. I'm going to hit it with a punch. I'm going to slice it with a sword and I'm going to bang it with a bazooka. And, and looking for this approach that you may tweak along the way. But if you do this work, you'll start to shift your change in those behaviors, which will lead you towards you know, those behaviors that you know you should do. Now, the thing about this is it's not easy. And and that's often the thing about any change is that change is generally pretty tough. And so, you know, you've got to, as I talked about before, you've got to get these moments where you're going to have slip-ups and know how to deal with your slip-ups very quickly so that it's not as damaging as what it could be if you just go back to square one. So my advice for the person who wrote that email and, and I'm sure lots of people listening to the B listening to this would probably have some kind of um, identify with the email is if you know what you should do and you're not doing it is is be raw and honest to yourself about those moments where you know you need to create change then from there understand what is the change you need to make what are you trying to move away from and what am I trying to move towards at that time and then develop multi-tier strategies that at first you may not be perfect at, but you're working and figuring out as you go along, so that when those moments hit, you're practicing how to overcome that change, which then ultimately through time, you'll be able to live in this place where you feel healthier more often. I hope that helps. I, re- I really hope it does. I, I, I can't say... Um, I don't know if that's a perfect answer and maybe it's not but maybe you could flick me an email after some time that you've practiced this stuff and let me know how you go anyway guys I've got to fly I've got I've got to go band practice actually I've got band practice coming up tonight um so I'm going to bugger off, but uh, once again, I am going to be back with the normal show next month, so I know this last two shows have been very much about the book, but I've got another show coming up next month, so look out for that if you've got any questions, you can email me at bevanjamesisles at gmail.com. You go to my website, bevanjamesisles, for any of my news pieces. Or you can get my book there, uh, The Fitness Attitude, and uh, spread the word about the book because I just want to keep selling it, to be honest. <laughs> so, and, I want, and I want to spread the philosophy. So, um, yeah, thanks for your time. I'll see you guys same time, same place next month. Um.